Hey, what's going on, everybody? I am your host, Armand Lee. I hope you're having an amazing week. And thank you so much for rocking with me for another episode of the Quarterly Report. We got a really good show this week. My cousin, Sadiq Abdul, is making his return to the show. We've got so much to discuss. The NFL Draft, the Washington Wizards, and the rest of the NBA playoffs will be discussed. Also, speaking of the NBA playoffs, Russell Westbrook is catching a lot of hell for the Oklahoma City Thunder's early exit in these playoffs. But I'll tell you why it's not his fault or anybody else on the floor for that team who should be receiving the blame for Oklahoma City's failures. You're not going to want to miss that. All that and so much more. But first, our number one topic this week. First quarter. Luckily for all of us, the NFL draft has come and gone. And look, I'm not going to spend time this week knocking the NFL draft because it's not that long ago that I used to love the NFL draft, man. I used to love waking up on Saturday mornings. I know if you guys are a certain age, you remember this. And like the draft would go on all day. Then it'd come on on Sunday and it'd be on for the rest of the weekend. And I loved it. Man, it's hard to, it's hard to explain how my love for the NFL, all things NFL, has drained, have just basically diminished in like a decade plus. I'm talking about, I used I remember I used to work and I had to log each pick and, you know, everything like that. But I didn't mind it because it was just so much fun. And now here's the crazy thing. I'm a much bigger college football fan now than I once was. So you would think that the NFL draft would be a bigger deal for me now because I actually know these players and I follow them much close, far more closely than I used to. But it's it's been the opposite effect. And there's a lot about the draft, man, that is just so annoying. And I just kind of, it's like in a relationship. You know what I mean? You're with somebody, and and when it starts off, you just head over heels in love. And you know that, look, okay, this is just the kind of infatuation stage. This isn't real. And even as you progress and you have bumps in the road, you know, it's like, oh, you know what? This is annoying. I love this person. But then, you right? something smacks you in the head and you're just like, man, I don't even like this person anymore. You know, that's what it is with the NFL. Even when like the, the, the rumblings of concussion stuff started happening like about a decade now, or maybe even like the crazy, uh, I don't indifference in the enabling of domestic violence that has always run rampant through the NFL. Right. But now, now I was like, man, I can't deal with you guys. And it's like seeping through every pore of the league. It's just completely toxic. And the draft is just the latest example of it. And I'm not going to talk about players or anything like that. I'm just talking about the mindset of the draft. Saquon Barkley was widely regarded as the best player available. The best, not the best player available, the best player in this draft. Looked upon as being a can't-miss prospect, right? All the things you would want in today's NFL running back. The New York Giants select the player who is widely considered the best player in the draft with the second pick. And people are killing the Giants because they did not draft a quarterback? We've talked in multiple, numerous times about the obsession, the fascination about quarterbacks in this league and how it has actually worked against teams. The narrative of you needing a quarterback should have been put to rest with these playoffs, with this Super Bowl. It should have been. But of course it was not. Right. Recent history has told us that Joe Flacco can be a Super Bowl MVP. And get this. The people who knock the Giants for not drafting a quarterback are essentially saying that Eli Manning should be you should have his successor ready. Because he can't do it anymore, despite the fact that we've got quarterbacks playing in their 40s now. Right. Eli Manning came out with Ben Roethlisberger. And Philip Rivers. 
The only one of those quarterbacks who people are actually forcing out is Eli Manning. And look, I'm not an Eli Manning fan. Don't get me wrong. I am not caping up for Eli Manning, okay? But the idea that, you know what? Eli Manning has struggled when he does not have Odell Beckham, and the Giants have struggled since they've lost their running game. Why wouldn't we give him the best player in the draft who would be a weapon for him? No, we should just move on to get a quarterback. That logic just is insane to me. The idea that there are people who are considered experts get on television and get on radio telling you that the Giants made a colossal mistake by drafting the best player in the draft? <laughs> it's It just makes no sense to me. Because he's a running back. Ask yourself this question. 2013, I believe. Le'Veon Bell was in the draft. Le'Veon Bell, the best running back in the league now. Okay? He was in the draft. He was drafted in the second round. You mean to tell me if you know, knowing what you know now, and if we could redo the 2013 draft, you mean to tell me that you don't think Le'Veon Bell will be the number one overall pick? Just in case you would like some context, here are some players who were drafted in the 2013 first round. Remember, Le'Veon Bell was drafted in the second round, probably because he's a running back. <laughs> like, running backs aren't important. Ask Packer fans if they would ask Aaron Rodgers if he would want a running, a legit running back, not a tight end, not a running back who was used to be in shape and then all of a sudden had to go on a diet because he can't run past the line of scrimmage. You know what I mean? A legit top flight running back. 2013, Le'Veon, Le'Veon Bell was available, but the Kansas City Chiefs drafted Eric Fisher, number one overall. Now look, He's an offensive tackle. I'm, I'm not even going to try to pretend to let you guys know that I can break down which offensive tackles are good or not. I have no idea. But I'm fairly certain that Le'Veon Bell, one of the best players in the league, I think that it's safe to say, you know what, I'd rather have Le'Veon Bell than this guy. Number two, Luke Yoko, offensive tackle for the Jaguars. Again, he could be, he could be amazing. I am not knocking the players. I'm knocking the idea that you can't draft a running back. Deion Jordan was number three. He's a defensive end for the Miami Dolphins. Hey, there was one quarterback drafted in 2013. The, the, the position that everybody needs, right? There's one quarterback who was drafted in that draft. Take a wild guess who it was in the first round of the 2000, excuse me. There was one quarterback drafted in the first round of the 2013 draft. Take a wild guess who it is. I'll give you some time. All right, that's enough. E.J. Manuel. E.J. Manuel. Sorry ass E.J. Manuel. This is back when I was still a Bills fan, man. I remember it. Like, did y'all not watch Florida State at all? E.J. Manuel was some trash in college. And they drafted him in the first round. See, this is the thing. The idea that, oh, man, you know what? You can get a Le'Veon Bell in the second round. You can get a great running back later in the draft. Okay, sure you can. But we don't apply that logic for quarterbacks. Look at the best quarterbacks in this league. Aaron Rodgers, he was drafted with the last pick in the first round. Nowadays, people trade up to draft Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, guys that have you who has seen why would anybody think that these guys can succeed on the and i'm not knocking them maybe they will but based off of college why would anyone think that these guys could be successful but you will trade up to draft these guys aaron Rodgers fell to the last pick in the first round tom brady was drafted in the sixth round drew Brees was drafted in the second round russell wilson was drafted in the third round. So we'll use the argument, hey, man, you can find Le'Veon Bell in the second round. You can find other top running backs, Kareem Hunt, later in the, and later in the draft. Okay, how come no one uses that argument for quarterbacks, though? Ask yourself, why is it that it's just with running backs? The idea that running backs aren't important anymore is crazy. 
Look at the Cowboys. Look at the Dallas Cowboys. They get Ezekiel Elliott, boom. He Then the next year, they lose him, boom. Ask a Packer fan if they would love a dominant running back. Look at the Steelers. Look at what the Steelers are with Le'Veon Bell. Look at them without him. I mean, this is it's crazy to me. Look at New Orleans. Granted, they got their running back last year, like I want to say the third round, and all of a sudden, they are a completely different-looking team. They don't have to rely upon Drew Brees to do everything. Getting yourself a great running back, especially if he's considered the best player in the draft. How is that looked upon as a neck? I just don't understand the logic. But again, to reinforce my point, I'm going to go over some of the more recent quarterbacks drafted in the first round because it's clear we teams, general managers, the entire football ecosystem, right? It's been caught up in, I need a quarterback, I need a quarterback, I need a quarterback. That they talk themselves out of the obvious decision, Deshaun Watson last year, and they talk themselves into this project, a player who may look the part because you need a quarterback. And then when you do that, you end up drafting Paxton Lynch in the first round. John Elway did that. That was in 2016. You end up drafting Johnny Manziel in the first round. Blake Bortles with a top three pick. Teddy Bridgewater. You end up drafting EJ Manuel in the first round. You end up drafting Brandon Wheaton and Ryan Tannehill. Jake Locker and Blaine Gabbert in the top 10. Christian Ponder in the top 15. That was in 2011. I'm, I'm listing each year these quarterbacks. 2010, Tim Tebow was drafted. Tim Tebow was a first-round quarterback drafted. They traded up to draft Tim Tebow. I could go on. 2009, Mark Sanchez with the fifth overall pick. Josh Freeman was number 17. Jamarcus Russell was number one in 2007. Brady Quinn was 22 in 2007. We get in our own heads about quarterbacks and their significance and their importance. And yes, obviously having a very good quarterback is important. Yes, you need a quarterback to, having a quarterback makes it easier to succeed. But Blake Bortles played in the conference championship game. Nick Foles, Nick Foles was Super Bowl MVP. And, and it's important to remember that Eli Manning is a two-time Super Bowl MVP. So obviously when Eli has weapons, when he has offensive weapons around him, we have seen that he can be successful. So why are you so in a rush to get him out of there? For Josh Darnold? I don't, I don't know. Sam Darnold. For Josh Allen, Josh Rosen. Why? Why Why are you so confident that one of those guys would be the key to the Giants' future? Because as history has shown us, it is a crapshoot. It is a crapshoot. Maybe you get Carson Wentz. But even then, if you do get Carson Wentz, he may tear an ACL. Maybe you get Cam Newton. But Cam Newton is the only thing Cam Newton is consistent at is, is, is his inconsistency. Matt Ryan, same goals for him. Matthew Stafford, same goals for him. Jameis Winston, what has he done? You understand? Drafting at the top just to get a quarterback, it sounds good. It sounds good, but it's not a sure thing. And if everyone is telling me that Saquon Barkley is the surest of the sure things, is the best player available, is a instant game changer, why wouldn't you draft him with the second overall pick? Man, I swear, the, the logic or the lack thereof of lo logic in the NFL when it comes to everything is truly awesome. It will leave you awestruck. If you have 
anything that you want to say about that. Maybe you agree with me. Maybe you disagree with me. Make sure you tweet at me and the show. We're at Quarterly Show. That's Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E Show. Or you can email us at QuarterlyReport at gmail.com. All right, that's the first quarter. That's enough for football for this show. We're going to move on to the NBA in the NBA playoffs with our second topic this week. Second quarter. I've got to admit, I am biased when it comes to Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook is one of my favorite players playing in the league currently. He's actually probably already one of my favorite players of all time. So it's easy for me to overlook his flaws. And yes, there are flaws in his game. But, you know, I become a bit defensive and protective over him when I see, you know, the avalanche of criticism coming his way with the Oklahoma City Thunder losing for the second straight year in the first round. Um, we all know it. Again, Russ is not a perfect player. Russ has flaws. He can be reckless. He can be. He can OD way too much, takes silly shots, turns the ball over in uh, inopportune times the whole nine. But the one thing about Russ that I love is the passion, the aggression. You know, when you hear people who usually criticize the league overall, they, what do they always say? Oh, they don't try hard. They don't play hard. They don't care. That's laughable to me. Um, because usually you can say that about outside of hockey. You can say that about every single professional athlete. Baseball players get haircuts during the games. They're drinking beer, eating fried chicken. You remember that story with the Red Sox? But to anyone who ever criticizes the NBA for not caring, for not playing hard, for not trying every play, every game, I just say, look at Russell Westbrook and tell me what the hell are you talking about? He shuts down those dumb arguments easily. And not just because he shuts those down, but because I enjoy his tenacity, just how ferocious he is. The dude plays like he hates the rim. He, it, I, I just don't. I've never seen anything like it. In a league full of amazing athletes, Russell Westbrook stands alone. Like You watch him play. Russell Westbrook could be playing against LeBron James, and Russell Westbrook is the player off of just sheer athleticism that pops off the screen. You watch him, and you're like, yo, who's that? I remember when my daughter was like four, maybe three, and we're watching the Oklahoma City game, and she's like, daddy, who's that? And I was like, yeah, that's Russell Westbrook. It was that simple. It's, it's that easy, right? You see him, you watch him play, and just his sheer force is enough to make you take a double take like, oh, that dude is good. Without having any context of the sport, without knowing anything, you can be like, that guy right there, he's special. But, again, they lost in the first round again. It was a 4-5 series. So, you know, anytime a 4-5 series happens, usually it's, it's not really a massive upset. I think a lot of people just didn't watch Utah play this year. Uh, and they were surprised at just how good and how dominant and how um, impressive the Jazz are. But instead of using nuance and be like, okay, well, the Jazz, you know, they just present certain issues that the Thunder couldn't do. Instead of being like, hey, Paul George is far too concerned with his playoff nickname, Playoff P, <laughs> which sounds like a U, uh, UTI, uh, and Carmelo just completely forgetting how to play. All of the attention goes to Russell Westbrook. And again, I get it, right? He's the reigning league MVP. He should take some of the blame, much of the blame. But I think there's one person who in Oklahoma City has gotten a pass and a pass for far too long. And no, I'm not talking about Russell Westbrook. No, I'm not talking about Carmelo Anthony. No, I'm not talking about Billy Donovan. I'm talking about Sam Presti the general manager for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Now, I know anytime we talk about Sam Presti, it, it, it's almost like it's a rule. You have to just shower him with praise. But you know what? I'm going to look at him in his moves, and let's be honest here. And maybe I'm being protective of Russell Westbrook, but I don't think I am. Right? It's We can make, even if you like Russell Westbrook, you can make the, you can see, it's okay. You can announce his flaws and his shortcomings. 
And yeah, I don't know if Russell Westbrook can be the best player on the championship team. I honestly don't know that. But part of the reason why I don't know if he can change and adapt his game is because he has been allowed to do that for, what, 11, 12 years now? Look at Russ's coaches. Scott Brooks, who has his own set of issues now in D.C., which if, you, if, you pay, if you're paying attention, the same issues he had in Oklahoma City, he's now having in Washington, right? Chemistry issues. What type of offense are they running? Who's the leader, right? The same things have followed him. And after Scott Brooks, who else is coached Russell Westbrook? Billy Donovan? God bless the guy, you know? But I don't think this is, he. I don't think he's cut out for the NBA. But that's just one aspect of the shortcomings Sam Presti has done. You've had Sam Presti. We can't talk about him, even in a negative way, without highlighting his massive accomplishment. Sam Presti in a league where everybody gets to draft, in a league where people try to tank for the number one and number two overall picks, Sam Presti went grand slam, home run, home run. Three straight years, three straight picks. Kevin Durant with the number two overall pick, and I get it, right? Greg Oden was the number one overall pick. That drafting Kevin Durant, number two, was the easiest pick of all time. But you know what? He still did it. And he deserves credit for it. But even more so, he went Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, James Harden. Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, James Harden. It's important to remember because that seems like easy now. You know who went ahead of Russell Westbrook in his draft? Michael Beasley. Michael Beasley was the second overall pick. You know who went after that? Kevin Love. All right? So the Russell Westbrook pick wasn't the easiest pick in the world. Derek, Derek Rose, Michael Beasley, Kevin Love all went ahead of Russell Westbrook. And he's the best player of that draft. And then James Harden, Memphis, if you're the Grizzlies, you got to be killing yourself right now. Hashim the beat went ahead of James Harden. Hashim the beat. Okay? So those picks weren't easy. I mean, it's easy in retrospect. But there are people who get paid millions of dollars who, who could have drafted Russell Westbrook and who could have drafted James Harden, but they didn't. Sam Presti did. In addition to Serge Ibaka. So we have to give him credit for that. He has an amazing eye at drafting talent. However, we can absolutely question his eye for evaluating already established NBA players. We all know how the Oklahoma City Big Three came to an end. James Harden reached restricted free agency. The Thunder did not want to pay him because they did not want to get into the tax. So they traded him. And one of the worst trades in the history of the NBA. And there's no way around it. Trading James Harden when they did for what they received is one of the worst trades ever. And that will absolutely be a part of the Sam Presti, uh, how we remember him. Part of the Sam Presti legacy. But unfortunately, too many people have made the, the Harden decision a binary one. It was like, the Thunder had to choose either Serge Ibaka or James Harden. And that's not true. That narrative, like that kind of um, either or storyline that's being presented is actually lessening the blow on Sam Presti because what people were forgetting that before they had to make a decision on Ibaka or Harden, before that happened, the Oklahoma City Thunder traded Jeff Green to Boston for Kendrick Perkins. Kendrick Perkins was coming off of knee surgery. So now we look at Kendrick Perkins a lot differently than we did at the time, okay? So this is not to take a shot at Kendrick Perkins, but it is also to make sure we remember that even if you want to think it was a, a Baca or Harden decision, which it wasn't, it became that way because of an error on Sam Preston. He made a mistake that led to his ultimate mistake, right? He made several missteps along the way. And the biggest one we've forgotten 
because we haven't shined the light bright on it. So the Thunder trade Jeff Green for Kendrick Perkins. And whatever. Jeff Green, Kendrick Perkins, it doesn't really make a big difference. They weren't that con they weren't that significant of a championship piece, either one of them. However, Kendrick Perkins was coming off of knee surgery. In fact, the Thunder hadn't even seen him play since coming, since recovering from knee surgery. They just traded Jeff Green for him. And this is the key. This is what made the James Harden decision even more worse, like even a biggest, a bigger mistake. They re-signed Kendrick Perkins coming off of knee surgery before he even played a full season with them. They re-signed him once they traded for him. And with that money they re-signed Kendrick Perkins with, that is what made them so close to the luxury tax. That's why they had to, They felt they had to pick either Harden or Ibaka. It's because of the re-signing of Kendrick Perkins a player who wasn't good and a player who, who was coming off of a significant knee injury. We forget that. So everybody keeps on talking about it was either Abaco or Harden, but no, it wasn't an Abaco or Harden. The Thunder chose Kendrick Perkins. They chose Kendrick Perkins over both Abaco and Harden, making it an either-or situation with those two. Now, they say hindsight is twenty twenty. So people say, oh, of course, now looking back on the trade, trading Harden was dumb. As God is my witness, before they traded, I was like, James Harden, I was a believer. I knew James Harden was a special player. Now, a lot of other people were buying into the hype. Oh, well, he's only good because he's playing with Russ and Durant, and he's only a sixth man, and James Harden is just a role player. I've heard it all. People, who, close friends of mine, people who have been guests on this show, said those same foolish statements. And each time I heard it, I was like, nah, James Harden is the real deal. Sam Presti didn't know he had a Lamborghini just chilling in his garage, right? He didn't know he had a priceless uh, artifact just chilling in his basement. He traded a Lamborghini for a Saturn, okay? That's the only way you could look at it. The, the Oklahoma City Thunder had three MVPs before their prime at the same time who all got along. And I've heard the, well, you know, James Harden, who knows if he would have been able to fit with them. And I don't think James Harden would have been cool being a third fiddle in Oklahoma City. Well, if you watch James Harden E60, he said he was fine with it. He said he had no problem being the man who's Ginobili coming off the bench. And here's even another thing that people forget. Let's say having all three of them would have become problematic. Well, the two years after trading James Harden, Russ and Kevin Durant both got hurt. So you wouldn't have had to worry about having just all three of them. You would have still had two. But no, they chose Kendrick Perkins. But that's, that's, another, that's a story beside the point, right? That's beside the point. Let's move on. Because there are more errors that Presti has done. I'm not going to say the Paul George trade was an error. I think we all understood he was swinging for the fence. I'm not going to knock him for trading Paul George or trading uh, Victor Oladipo at the, the Montes Sabonis for Paul George, right? He wanted Russ to resign. He felt like if I could get Russ a second, a legit star here at Oklahoma City, we could really compete. And you know what? They had a lot of success. They would have had even more. But then what did he do? Then what did he do? He traded. He traded a valuable, productive, young, energetic big man in Ennis Cantor for Carmelo Anthony. Carmelo Anthony. And if you watched any of the Oklahoma City Thunder play this year or if you watched the playoffs, you know, Car not only did Carmelo not add to the team's success, he probably took wins away. He probably took wins away. Sam Presti did that. Sam Presti, the guy who traded James Harden. Sam Presti, the guy who traded for Carmelo Anthony and his $28 million salary next season. The guy who hired Scott Brooks and then replaced him with Billy Donovan. The guy 
who gave Kendrick Perkins a multi-year contract coming off of knee surgery that allowed the James Harden trade to happen. This is the guy. He is the one. So while Russell Westbrook gets all the criticism and all the heat, and look, a lot of it is deserved, let's not forget the guy who makes all the decisions. If we're going to praise Sam Presti, as we should, for going grand slam, home run, home run, getting Durant, Russ, Harden in three straight years, we got to look at him and say, how in the world did you guys only go to one finals during that time? How in the world do you only have one of those three players still? That is a, a legit, a legit criticism of Sam Presti, the golden child of the NBA. No, it's easy to point the finger at Russ. And maybe because he's one of my favorite players, I'm defensive, I'm protective. I'll be that. Shout out to Redman. I'll be that. But no, 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 no. We are not. We are not going to ignore the flaws, the big flaws. I'm not even going into the small issues that the small missteps. I just, I'm just pointing out the, the colossal mistakes Sam Presti has made. So while everybody else wants to jump on Russ, I let y'all do that. But I absolutely, I absolutely will not allow anybody to think that Sam Presti, Sam Presti does not have as big, if not even more, culpability in the Oklahoma City Thunder's shortcomings. All right, guys, you heard the horn. That means we are now at halftime. Again, before we get to halftime, make sure you get involved with the show, interact with me in everything that you hear or see, whether I say it or something that you want to hear my thoughts on. Make sure you tweet at the show. We're at quarterly show, Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E show, or email us at quarterlyreport at gmail.com. Get involved, interact with me. I'll answer your questions or your suggestions, any topic that you want to hear me talk about, whatever. It's all up to you. All right, guys, so with halftime around the corner, you know, I just talked about Oklahoma City Thunder and their early exit from the playoffs. But, you know, there are a lot of concerns going on around Oklahoma City. So, of course, me being the giving man that I am, it's time to open up the, the hotline bling, the call center for the quarterly report. As we have two callers from Oklahoma City who have some big-time questions about their future and their past. Hey, what's going on? This is the Quarterly Report Call Center. I'm Armand, here to help you out. Give me your name, what you're from, and what's your problem. Hey, what's going on? This is Paul from Oklahoma City, but you can call me Playoff Pete. Playoff Pete? Man, ain't nobody gonna call your ass that. Oh, man, go ahead, man, go ahead. Call me Playoff Pete for real. Anyway, I've got a big decision coming up in a few months. I don't know where I want to work, and I'm kind of leaning toward going back home to Los Angeles, but... I think there may be a lot of pressure on me to trying to turn around my hometown team. What do you think I should do? Well, thanks for calling, Paul. And my first piece of advice would be stop going by a sorry-ass playoff Pete. That's the dumbest nickname I ever heard in my life. I hope you didn't give that to yourself. It sounds like a disease. Secondly, going back home is not always what it's cracked out to be. You know, not to mention, we're talking about Los Angeles. Things are super expensive, you know, people, there's no space, you're crowded. If you're coming out of Oklahoma City, you know, stay there. You got space, a dollar goes way farther in Oklahoma than it does in California. And you can always establish a new roots, a new foundation. Look, man, if you have to call yourself Playoff P, I'm assuming that your playoff history isn't really that great. So instead of going to LA, looking to be the savior, looking to be the number one guy, stay in Oklahoma City, build something with another player who's a superstar. Maybe, just maybe, you guys can build something special together other than stupid nicknames. This is the Quarterly Report Call Center. We're here to help you out. What's your name, where are you from, and what's your question? Yo, this is Mello from Oklahoma City by way of Baltimore. Man, I got a question. My coach is, he's on my back talking about having me come off the bench, but 
Nah, man, I'm not playing that. I'm mellow. Of course, I'm not going to come off the bench. I'm a future Hall of Famer. Plus, I'm about to cash out with 28, close to $29 million. But if I do that, that means I'm stuck here in Oklahoma City, probably having to listen to the head coach. Should I make a fuss about it, or should I just go about trying to adapt and be peaceful mellow? I hang up in this. Did you just say $29 million? Man, you better take your ass to the bench. Listen, this may be hard to hear. And honestly, it's kind of hard to say, because I was once a huge fan of yours. But man, father, time is undefeated. If you don't think you need to come off the bench, I suggest you rewatch the playoffs in the entire regular season and how you played. You literally cost your team wins. Now, you didn't want to adapt to a free-flowing style of play where you can catch and shoot. You want to just operate. Well, if you come off the bench, it will allow you to operate with your free will because no one in the second unit is going to stop you from doing what you love to do. Iso mellow. This kind of is a perfect situation. You know, you don't have to look farther than your friend Dwayne Wade. Wade, who is also a future Hall of Famer, came off the bench multiple times this season. Even went back to Miami and came off the bench. And you know what? He looked his best while he was doing it. Probably need to go ahead and follow your man Wade because if you don't, you're probably going to be following your man AI out the league. Don't be the guy, Melo, who's out the league when he can still contribute. Okay? You have game left. It's just not nearly as much as you think. Sit your ass down, count your check, and get those buckets on the second unit because that's where you're best suited. All right, guys, that's my time this week at the call center. Make sure you hit me back up on the hotline bling, and I'll be sure to answer some of the biggest questions to your biggest and favorite stars in the upcoming weeks. I couldn't believe Melo said that mess. Like you about to opt into a contract that no other team would ever think about paying you. You're about to opt into $29 million, essentially. You're not getting anywhere close to that ever again in a year. And you talking about how you're not coming off the bench, man, your mouth going to run you up out the league, Joe. You're not that nice anymore. You know, sometimes we just get caught up in smelling our own stuff. We need a reality check. Somebody in Melo's camp need to be like, yo, Melo, chill out. Because he literally may talk his ass up out the league. Nobody, Joe, you had a perfect situation this year and you shot yourself in the foot. Probably with all them bricks you threw up. You feel me? So you have a chance to kind of be the good soldier for one more year and play for that next contract. You can put all your eggs into this next season, right? Show the entire league that you can contribute and you can contribute off the bench being that veteran leader, the presence that, you know what? This guy can get buckets when it comes time to it. And just because you come off the bench doesn't mean you won't end the game, right? You won't end the game on the floor. But man, you got to check your ego, Slim, because you're not that nice. And you really haven't been that nice for a few years now. Just everybody peeped that joint because you was playing with Russ. All right, man, enough about Carmelo. We're going to keep the things moving this week on the show. As my special guest, my cousin, is going to stop by this week to break down so many of the biggest topics. It's my cousin, Sadiq Abdul. Third quarter. We have him on each and every month. He's one of the more popular guests that we have on the show. He is a promoter. He is a sports analyst. But more importantly, my blood, my cousin, Sadiq Abdul. Deke, what's going on, bro? Hey, cuz. What's up, man? I'm good. I'm good. We got a lot to discuss this week. So we're going to do the game that we always do when you're on the show. Mm -hmm. I go through a few topics, and you let me and the world know if I'm crazy or not. All right? All right. All right, we're going to start where we left off with Oklahoma City and specifically Carmelo Anthony. Now, a lot of people had big expectations for Melo coming into the season, and Melo did not have the season or the postseason that many expected or that he expected from himself. This halftime, I talked about how Melo is washed. So, Sadiq, my question to you, am I crazy for thinking Carmelo Anthony is done? Yes, you're back crazy. There's absolutely no way that I feel like somebody with the scoring, scoring prowess of Carmelo for his whole career is washed. I, maybe the situation is, is not, you know, 
indicative for what he needs to be getting done, but it's not, no, he's nowhere near washed. All right, I got to push back on you a little bit here. You know, you look at someone like Dwayne Wade. Wade is another legend. Wade is a greater basketball player than Melo, and Wade may be out the league. You know what I mean? Wade is on his last legs as well. So when you look at that and consider what Carmelo Anthony was and what he's doing now, I don't think, like, he can he can produce still in spots, but just spots, and that's one of the main reasons why I feel that he's washed. I mean, father time is undefeated. Okay, yeah, I do agree with that. Maybe about two more years left, but see, I don't see that as washed. Maybe we have a different interpretation of definition then, because when you say washed, I feel like, oh, his career is over. Like, he should be sitting down this summer and deciding, like, all right, maybe I'm going to give me a reality show or do something, <laughs> and I'm done. No, he's no, he's not done. I'm going to tell you, like, like I said, being here in Washington and being a D.C. fan and losing to Toronto right now, I would take Melo over twin in a heartbeat. And ain't nobody talking like twin is a uh, wash. So, no, Melo is not washed. Maybe, maybe playing with Russell or, or the, the style of play or being a third option. He's washed, yes, being a third option. But I think, he'll, I think he could thrive being a second option in the right situation for the right coach. You know what? You bring an interesting point. Um, it's all relative, right? Because we view Carmelo as a different type of player than we do someone like Markeith Morris. But the, the, the fact of the matter is, at this point in their careers, Keith and Melo are essentially like on the same tier of basketball players, give or take. You know what I mean? It just depends on what you appreciate, what you don't. But no one would consider Keith washed. You know what I mean? So it, it's, it's funny how that balance, how that works, because we are basically viewing Melo through the prism of what he once was, not of what some of his contemporaries are currently. Exactly. See, the thing is, the thing is, Melo's always been an alpha male, been dominant, the number one go-to guy his whole career, way back to high school days, the first year in Syracuse. So everybody sees him, and he's a he's a shell of what he was. See, but see, the thing is, you got to look at it as, as a 2018, the stuff that Melo still does on the court and the shots that he still takes and the, and the spots that he can get to, don't look at him as the 2008 Melo or the 2009. Don't compare him to himself. Compare him to other people at his position and the things that he can do that others still cannot do. You just got to you gotta give it to him in the right situation. And I'm telling you, he can actually thrive. He can give you about 16 a game in the right type of situation. That's And that's fair. That's pretty decent. Once again, guys, I'm joined by my cousin, promoter, and sports analyst, Sadiq Abdul. We're playing the game that we always play when he's on the show where he tells me if I'm crazy or not for some of my sports opinions. And we're going to stay in Oklahoma City for the second question. Um, I talked about this earlier in the show uh, with Oklahoma City and Russell Westbrook. And look, man, I may be biased. Russell Westbrook is one of my favorite players in the league. Yeah, I love it. So I felt some type of way seeing all the analysts and quote-unquote experts kind of firing off their shots at Russ for Oklahoma City losing in the first round of the playoffs for the second straight year. So, D, am I crazy for thinking that Sam Presti, the Thunder's general manager, is the main reason why Oklahoma City failed in these NBA playoffs. In hindsight, just w watching it and really paying attention, this might have been the smartest thing you've ever said. It's definitely, <laughs> it's definitely the GM. I mean, at the end of the day, what GM does not find a way to keep Kevin Durant happy? Or or find a way that Russell, or even find the money, the way, you know, the money aspect, or to keep these guys happy, find Russell and Harden, finding a way that they can coexist. You don't, you know, you don't let these guys, I don't even know, I, if, just right offhand, I don't even remember what they even traded Harden for. So, you know, basically at the time, it was like they couldn't get the money, uh, you know, money thing together as far as paying Harden. Well, I would have just took my chances and just had to get to the to free agency. And maybe Harden would just be like, I love OK so much, I'll give y'all a discount and I'm staying. You don't know. You don't just trade these type of talents. I mean, even Ibaka, he was a project, but he worked out to be something decent. You you know, you putting him out there. I mean, they whole starting five from their championship team is gone. And see, and see, the thing is, I feel like the way he was at GM, sometimes people get on Russell, oh, he's a ball hog, he does this and that. And I feel like Russell could be a hybrid to the point where, like, even what New Orleans is doing right now with Drew Holiday as far as they kind of pushing him to the two and have a true number one and Rondo running the one. And you kind of could have did that with Russell. They could have found somebody that could have played the one. Even, I mean, oh, man, speaking of which, even the boy Reggie Jackson, he was on that roster. I'm like, oh, my God, like this whole, if you really look at it, that OKC team had a mob. And somehow, as a GM, you cannot rip that all the way apart. You have to find a way to keep two of them together, three of them together. I mean, that's crazy. It's crazy what has happened to that team. You know, it's funny. You and I both have daughters around the same age. And I always think to myself, like, in six, seven years, my little girl's going to come up to me and, like, 
almost in shock, asked me, Daddy, are you seriously telling me that Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, and James Harden all played on the same team at the same time and only went to one finals? Exactly. <laughs> you know, yeah. you're, like, you're thinking about it, and it's just still in the recent past. It's crazy to even comprehend now. Yeah, three MVPs. Now, see, that's the thing. They all, but they all might not have reached MVP level if they all were together because, you know, you know they all had to become alphas and, and had their own type of team. But if one of them was MVP and the other one was just in the – semi in the running the next year or two because even people right now still talk about kd and steph are still mvp candidates now they might be six and seven in the pecking order but they're still up there so that's what you know that's what Harden and those guys could have been you know and it's like you don't i don't know man you like shoot i mean think about like i said going back to the wizard i hate to keep bringing the wizards up every time but somebody like ernie he's so dedicated to keeping these guys all the time we always maxing everybody there's even rumors that we might max kelly see he's so you know saying want to stay with his draft picks, like he's so loyal and like, oh, I draft this guy, I gotta keep him, gotta max him. Whereas that's what the OKC guy should have done. All right, once again, guys, I'm joined by my cousin Sadiq Abdul, a promoter and a monthly guest on the Quarterly Report. So you just talked about the Wizards, and this is the way we're going to end it. You know, everybody in the area is still kind of reeling off of their first round exit at the hands of the Toronto Raptors, and it goes without saying, it's a really important offseason coming up. For the entire Wizards organization. And one of the players that everyone seems to want to push out of town is Marcin Gortat. Now, I'm not saying that Gortat is some type of special and unique talent that needs to be kept here. I am saying it would be foolish to trade Marcin Gortat for another player with a lot more years on his deal. Right? Gortat has one year left at approximately $13 million dollars. And that's huge for Washington because they are literally in the third ring of hell. That's what their cap situation looks like. So the question to you, Steve, am I crazy for thinking that the Wizards are best served keeping Martin Gortat on their roster? I just smacked my forehead because that's the stupidest thing I ever heard. America, <laughs> I don't even know how you listen to this guy. He is, hey, you are tripping. Cause Mark, he got to go. He got to go. I don't care what, what contract they talking, freeing up money, whip de do. I don't even work for Uber or any of these other guys. I'm about to get me an app right now so I can become a driver and drive him out of town. Hey, you stupid, yeah. I'm talking about he has, <laughs> he has to go. Like, I mean, it's simple as that. He got to go. We're playing with dinosaurs. Like, Walls even said the other day in the interview, we're playing with dinosaurs, basically. It's 2018. This not – matter of fact, when, did he even, when was he even the backup? And he was a pretty good backup for Dwight when they went to the finals. Like, 08, 09. Okay, exactly. So, he's a shell of himself now. That was 10 years ago. Like, I mean, uh, he, catch, he catches the ball on, on pick and rolls. And doesn't even finish layups. I don't. I don't expect him to dunk all the time. His calves getting fat and heavy, so he can't dunk every time. But at least finish the layup. Like, and then he doesn't. He's not a defender. I mean, what does he really do well in this 2018? I mean, he sets great picks. So Bradley gets good picks coming off pin downs and screens where he pops for threes. But I'm sorry, man. We can. You can. You can bring Popeye Jones from the grave, and he can set picks. Gortat has to go. It's something that he got to go. He got to go. He got to go. You can't even play him in the small ball lineup. You know, so. So what does that do for you? And then when you play, like Valachunas owns him. I mean, Valachunas hit him with a pump fake the other day from the three-point line. Like, like, I'm talking about grade school kids should not fall for. It's simple as that. Like the coach, the coach would have sat them. Like, why are you falling for this? It was the weakest pump fake where he was like his knees buckled. No, I'm sorry. Like this dude got to go. He got look. He got to go. All right, let me make sure I clarify myself. I am not in any way, shape, or form saying that Marcin Gortat is some type of super effective player and that he is needed. For the Wizards to win. That's not what I'm saying. My my part, my point in saying the Wizards shouldn't trade Gortat is because no one is going to offer you anything worthwhile for him, right? For the reason that you just said. His game is becoming extinct. Nobody wants a traditional power or big man like him. The only thing about him that is worthwhile is that his contract is expiring. So if you are going to trade Martin Gortat to a team, the only team who's going to take him back is a team that needs cap relief. And no one needs cap relief more than the Wizards. So you would be taking more salary, and more importantly, you'd be taking in more years. Here's something that everybody who follows the Wizards needs to know. In the 2019-2020 season, just two years from now, Washington only has four players under contract. 
John Wall, Bradley Bill, Otto Porter, Jan Mahimi. Those four players' salaries in just two seasons equal over $107 million. You got $107 million tied to just four players. The salary cap is probably only going to be $109, $110 million in two years. Their salary cap situation is awful. They need to be finding creative ways to shed salary, not add it on. Okay, I, I do I do agree it's a business and it's all about money at the end of the day, but it, you just said he's not an effective player, and it's still about getting wins and, win, and doing things on the court, and we're wasting, honestly, we're wasting John's prime at this point now. It's like we have to do something. So you keep waiting on the next if and if. Get this guy out of here, you know, and even if you got to trade for even if you got to flip the money to the point where it's, all right, March is off the books in one year, but maybe we get somebody back that's decent or something, and he's off the books in two years, whoever the guy you get in return. Or maybe the guy's out in three years, but we're winning in those three years, or we're doing something that's worth it. I'm sorry. You have to find a way to make the money work. I don't even care, man. Look, the hot dogs and nachos about $9 a piece every time we go. And all. If you got to raise it to 12 I'll pay the extra three. You know, raise it, raise it, raise it for the whole city. We'll pay the extra money. But, I mean, come on, man. This is, no. Nah. No, he has to, he has to go. He's not he's not getting it done. It's simple as that. We lost in the first round. Now we're going backwards. We're telling we're going backwards. I mean, I hate to say it. If we don't step it all the way up, we won't even make the playoffs. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, that's my cousin, promoter, and sports analyst, Deke Abdul, making his monthly appearance on the Quarterly Report. As always, Deke, it was fun. We'll holler at you next month. Oh yeah, thank you for having me as always. Cause I love you, man. Hey, America, love you too. Hey, man, my cousin, wild dude, man. But I love those interviews, man, cause. He brings a perspective that you don't really hear a lot. And you could tell, man, he bleed D.C. through and through, man. You know, you cut him open, Mambo sauce come out of him. So, shout out to my cousin Sadiq. That was really fun. But we've got one quarter left, and we're going to finish up strong. Something that doesn't really have anything to do with sports, but has really been weighing on me this past week. So, without further ado, it's our fourth topic this week. Fourth quarter. It's been a real wild seven to ten days. And times like these, it makes me really just appreciate sports as a whole, man. I love sports so much. And if you're listening to my voice, you got to love sports too. Because there's no way you're going to check out a podcast each week talking about a wide variety of topics, but mainly focusing on sports, right? And in times like these, man, I really just appreciate the, the, the ability to kind of, you know what, duck my head when all this wild stuff is going on around us. And just focus on things that literally make me smile. Things that my I can watch certain players play basketball or box or maybe you like hockey or whatever the case may be, right? And it will take my breath away seeing these guys and women do amazing feats that I can only dream of doing, right? You hit you see LeBron James hit a buzzer beater and you just your jaw drops. Okay? I talked about Jermail Charlo a few weeks ago, knocking the dude out unconscious. Okay. Alex Ovechkin hits a game winning goal as the puck is floating through the air. I mean, you, you just watch these people perform and it gives you an escape, right? But only an escape for a moment because the real world doesn't stop. And man, like I said, this past few weeks, man, it was wild. It was wild, man. Y'all know about Kanye. Kanye continues to make an ass out of himself. And you know what? I tweeted this uh, early in this week, so I don't want to feel like a hypocrite. But I was like, man, yo, we canceled this dude a week or so ago, two weeks ago. Why are we still tweeting about him? Right? And I uh, look, and again, I'm not pointing the finger because I'm clearly talking about him, but others and in, in, uh, other celebrities as well. I, I want to talk about a larger point. But this connection that we have to people Famous people, people that we don't know, whether it be is because they're famous or they're talented, uh, they're creative, whatever the case may be. We got to learn how to cut that off, man, because this past week, week and a half, I've been amazed at the number of people trying to suit up and cape for Kanye. I'm like, nah, buddy is done. He's, God bless that man, you know, and you know, maybe he's on meds or whatever the case may be. I don't, I'm not even going to sit here and try to judge that man on whatever he may be going through emotionally, psychologically in his personal life. That's cool. You know what? But you know what? 
We all kind of going through something. And there are a lot of people going through worse than him. You know? You talking that stupid stuff about slaves wanting to be... Like, people were choosing to be slaves? Like, bro, nah. There's a lot of toxic energy out in the world just as is. Right? We have to endure a lot of crazy stuff just trying to live our lives. I don't need to hear him spout that stupidity, you know, every other minute. We just got to let go. Buddy is gone, man. Nobody can pull him back. Nobody can save him. Let him be. But like I said, it ain't just Kanye. Now, maybe y'all listening to me like, man, you know what? That may be easy for you to say. You weren't really rocking with Kanye like that. And like, I was not never the biggest Kanye fan. I appreciated his music, but I was never somebody who, who really rocked with Kanye like that. I was like, yo, this dude's kind of weird, man. But, you know, I like his songs, but I never loved his music like that. But Nas is my second favorite rapper of all time. And what happened this week when Nas comes to find out that he was beating on his wife? And you got all these people coming to his aid like, hey, two sides to a story. Hey, man, we don't know. Hey, Khalees is crazy. Yada, 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 yada. I'm like, Slim, what are we doing? What are we doing? I love Nas's music, Right? Made some of my favorite songs ever. I've talked to you guys about this in the past. Him beating his wife makes him a dickhead. That simple. Not defending him. Now look, I'm not going to tell anybody they need to boycott Kanye. Or they need to boycott Nas. And they need to stop watching Joy and Reed's show. Whatever the case may be. I'm never going to be in that position to tell anybody else what they should and should not do. Right? Because... If you're going to jump on that pedestal, your stuff better smell clean too, right? And we all know none of ours do. So I'm not going to get on here talk, telling you guys to stop listening to Nas, stop listening to Kanye, but I'm eating that Chick-fil-A, right? Or you telling me, man, you, you shouldn't watch this or you shouldn't watch the NFL, but, you know, you still taking Ubers. Like, do you know as you listen to this, in your Toyota, do you know what the, the head or the CEO, the CFO of whoever makes your car, how they feel about certain social issues? Do you know where their money goes to? Like, there's always, when it comes to business, there's always someone or some people at the top on everything, right? I'm recording this right now on a Mac. I don't know what the people on Apple, how they feel about certain things. You may have an Apple phone. You may have an Android. Do you have Nikes on your feet? You know, we know about their practices. So I'm not going to tell anybody what they should or shouldn't do, what their line should or shouldn't be, right? Because we all have our own stuff. But I'm just talking about the, the, the idea that we have to protect people because we enjoy their art. No, no. I don't care how great of a musician someone is. If they do something stupid or if they say something stupid, they're stupid. Let that live. Don't be a fool and try to protect the bullets that are coming their way. I shouldn't say bullets, but you know what I mean, right? The shots that are coming their way, the criticism that are coming their way. And why are you protecting Kanye? Why are you protecting Nas? Why are you protecting R. Kelly? R. Kelly been a dickhead for decades now. We all know this. And people are talking about, oh, man, well, you know what? If this person could do it, why can't R. Kelly do it? No, you're missing the point. You're missing the point. This is not about this person got away with it. That was like the, that was the excuse for all the people caping up for Bill Cosby. And I was just in shock. I'm like, man. All these people talking about, well, you know what? Look at this white guy who was sexually assaulting all these women and all this other stuff. Why can't Bill Cosby get away with it? I'm like, bro, you are missing the point. If that's if that's how your moral compass works, I don't even want to rock with you on anything. Anything. If you think, okay, well, they got away with it, Bill Cosby. No, that's not how anyone with integrity, anyone with any bit of decency works. Bill Cosby was a pioneer back in the day, and Bill Cosby was a sexual deviant. He was a jerk, man. 
both things can and are true. Dozens, dozens, plural, of women who don't know each other, many of whom don't want any type of money, any type of resolve, just to, they just want him to get off the street. All of these women who have no contact, no association, aren't lying about poor Bill Cosby. And Bama's been fighting this fight for years now, fighting for Bill Cosby. What are y'all doing? Why are y'all rocking for Nas? He's my second favorite rapper. You hear, there are songs that Nas has made that have touched me, man, that have moved me, for real. But that doesn't absolve him from being a jerk. Slim, man, you can't... No, there are people defending him, beating on his wife, or taking shots about Khaleesi's mental state. That's that's not how we do things, bro. <laughs> like, you can't, like, because you like his songs? R. Kelly has been, yo, there are reports of this man brainwashing women, having a cult of young ladies. Bro, God bless the dead. Remember Aaliyah? Like, this happened in the mid-90s. We've been known how this dude gets down. And people are defending him. Why? Why do we have, why is it so hard for us to divorce the person from the art? Again, man, I'm not telling you you can't like the Cosby show. If you want to, I'm done with it. I've been done with it. I'm not telling you you can't not listen to old R. Kelly songs. I'm not going to lie. Your body's calling this plan. I like that song. I'm not going to give that man any money, and I hope he burns in hell. After riding in the prison. I'm not listening to Kanye anymore. You may still love college dropout. You may still love late registration. No one is judging you unless you are defending him, making excuses for him. All these people I've named are grown. And all these people I've named don't care about you. Why are we so quick? to protect famous people, the people who probably need it least among us. Man, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta think back. We gotta be sharper. We gotta really be sharper, man. Because just because you are talented, just because you are gifted, doesn't mean you can run amok on, on people just trying to live because that's all we all are doing. I hope, man, like, again, I hope I'm not preaching. This doesn't come off as preaching because, I, you know what? We all got our own stuff. But excusing crazy behavior, excusing violent behavior towards women, excusing foolishness, dismissing slavery? Come on, man. We ain't got no place for that. So when we talk about canceling people, let's cancel them for real. Let's stop giving them energy because they're not worth it. Thank y'all for letting me voice that, you know, get that off my chest, man. I needed that, man. This week's been wild. It's been crazy. And if you like me, you probably feel that way or have thought those similar type of thoughts um, as well. But you know what? We're going to keep things moving. This was the fourth quarter. If you have anything to say about this show, maybe you disagree with me and how I feel about Nas and Kanye. Or maybe you disagree with me about how I feel about Carmelo Anthony and the Oklahoma City Thunder. It's all good. Hit me up on Twitter at Quarterly Show. That's Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E Show. Or you can email me at thequarterlyreport at gmail.com. That's Quarterly Report, Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E Report at gmail.com. <laughs> I had a little blank spot there, man. Don't, don't worry, man. I ain't tripping. Anyway, also make sure you rate and review the show. Tell all your friends and family about the podcast, man. The numbers continue to grow. I really, really, I can't express enough how much I appreciate each and every one of you for listening to me, to downloading, to subscribing. Make sure you let everybody know you can find me on a multitude of platforms, whether it's Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, uh, Spotify, Podknife, uh google play the list goes on and on make sure you listen to the show make sure you tell your friends about the show and if you don't mind leave some five star rating and reviews let me let the world 
know what your thoughts are on the show, what you like and what you don't like as well. Also, check out Instagram, Quarterly Report on Instagram. We got a lot of fun stuff, behind-the-scenes interviews, um, and the Wire NBA mix as well. A lot of fun stuff on my page, so check out Quarterly Report on Instagram as well. All right, guys, it's been fun, but that's my time this week. I'll catch you next Thursday for another episode of the Quarterly Report.